Welcome to the very first episode of The Rebuild in 2019. Once again, I'm Jordan Zerm, back with you at Clevesurm. Follow your boy on Twitter, having some fun today. Uh, wrote a little piece about my favorite 10 throws from Baker Mayfield's rookie season. So put all of those things into gift form for your viewing pleasure. So uh, follow me at Clevesurm uh, to check that out. Also, please subscribe to The Rebuild if you haven't already. Give me five stars or one star. <laughs> you know, if you hate it, give me a star. I'm just kidding. Don't. Only five stars. If you give me one star, I will find you and I will send tersely worded letters to your home each week uh, typed out on a piece of paper and they will just keep coming and there's you're not going to be able to stop it. I'll just keep mailing them to you. It's going to get really annoying. So five stars only, please. Um, I'm really excited about today's episode because although the Cleveland Browns 2018 season has officially come to an end, it honestly feels like it's sort of just beginning because this is going to be one of the more jam-packed off-seasons for the Browns in recent memory um, because obviously they need a head coach. And then the draft is going to start, and although they have the 17th pick, which is sort of mind-blowing to not not only not be the number have the number one pick in the draft, or the number two, or even like the number 10, they're picking 17th, which is pretty wild. But the draft obviously still has uh, a ton of intrigue to it, and there are a lot of players that could fall in that spot that are, think, uh, are going to be really exciting to add into this, this core of young players that the Browns have. So there is a lot going on, but it feels like the right place to start since... This is essentially where John Dorsey and the Browns are right now is his coaching search. And I have the ringer's Robert Mays uh, on the show today joining me to break down some of the coaching candidates, who he thinks would be the best fit to lead the Browns into the next five, ten years of the future. Talks a little bit about uh, Baker Mayfield's season as well. So I'm thrilled to have Robert uh, joining the show uh, with me today. One of my favorite writers for the ringer knows so much about football and is uh, able to sort of articulate um, everything he knows about the game in a really easy-to-consume way. So in just a little bit, we will get Robert Mays onto the pod, joining me to talk all coaching candidates for the Browns. But I wanted to start by just breaking down who the Browns are actually interviewing uh, at, at this time on, on Wednesday, January 2nd. All of the candidates that they have lined up to talk to and just going over them and briefly hitting on them before we go a little bit deeper with Robert. But, you know, obviously one of the guys, and this is something I, I talked to Robert about too, is is former Green Bay Packers head coach Mike McCarthy was fired by Green Bay a little over halfway through the season. He's a pretty polarizing name. John Dorsey has some connections with him from his time in Green Bay. Um, you know, won a Super Bowl, it feels like, 100 years ago with Aaron Rodgers, but really these last couple of years, there was a lot of criticism coming out in Green Bay about him. Aaron Rodgers did not get along with him. There's a clip that sort of went viral of Greg Jennings on the Rich Eisen show talking about how Mike McCarthy does nothing to help his wide receivers get open, which seems like a pretty bad thing if you're an offensive play caller slash head coach and you're not doing anything to scheme your wide receivers open. Uh, that's pretty bad. And I think a lot of what Aaron Rodgers did in Green Bay 
that made you think like, yeah, oh no, their offense is fine. They're doing really great. Except Aaron Rodgers is putting the ball in places that only his wide receivers can get. And they, they were not that talented. He was just giving them throwing windows, which is something that ba- Baker Mayfield does a lot of is throwing his wide receivers open. It's, I think it's why you've seen guys like Rashard Perriman and Rashard Higgins have really big years. Um, is that Baker Mayfield has put the balls in places where only they can go get it. And that's sort of what Aaron Rodgers has been doing in Green Bay for the past couple years. And no thanks to Mike McCarthy. So we get into that with Robert, but that is a guy that has been confirmed he will interview with the Cleveland Browns. So we will see where that goes. We will see what the ties to John Dorsey, whether that helps Mike McCarthy, whether this is just sort of a courtesy interview because the two have a history. He's also been rumored to be in play for the Jets job. So we will see what happens with Mike McCarthy, but that is a name that has been confirmed to interview uh, from reports around the league with the Cleveland Browns. Another name that I think is fairly polarizing and, and who I talk with Robert Mays about as well is Adam Gase, who was sort of a surprise firing out of Miami. And as soon as he was fired, you you started to hear some things from players about how much they not only just not liked their head coach, but really sort of hated their head coach. There was some reports that Kenyon Drake, the team's running back, was going to request a trade if Adam Gase remained. Obviously, Jarvis Landry, who is now with the Cleveland Browns after being traded in the offseason from Miami, had had a quote over the summer where he said he felt like Adam Gase traded him to the Browns to go die, <laughs> which is just not something you say about a, a head coach that you have respect for. And then when Adam Gase was fired, Jarvis Landry tweeted out a, a, uh, a series of laughing slash crying emojis. So that would be a real awkward reunion were Adam Gase uh, to come be the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. There was a report that Peyton Manning had given the Haslam's a call and and recommended Adam Gase. He obviously worked with Adam Gase when Gase was the offensive coordinator in Denver when Peyton Manning was there. So Peyton has uh, some warm and fuzzy feelings about about Adam Gase. But we we will see what happens with that. I, I think I think it's smart to give Adam Gase an interview just to to sit down with him and talk to him and and get an idea of what he's all about and what went wrong in Miami and sort of his offensive philosophy. But I don't know if ultimately that's going to be a good idea uh, with Jarvis, who is outspoken and who is probably going to let you know when he's unhappy about things. And just with some of the other reports that came out of Miami about uh, how much players dislike playing for him. It's an interesting, it's an interesting thing. Adam Gates was a really, really hot name when the Miami Dolphins hired him, a hot offensive coordinator, offensive coordinator name that has sort of become the trend in where the hiring going the hiring has been going in the NFL when you're looking at sort of younger offensive minds and where I think the Browns should go. I just don't know if if Adam Gase is that dude. Um, some other names that have been floating around that the Browns are going to interview. You've got the defensive coordinator for the Patriots, Brian Flores, who, in all honesty, I don't know a ton about. You have both co- coordinators for the Indianapolis Colts. Matt Eberflus, their defensive coordinator, who has done an incredible job with that Colts defense turned a rookie Darius Leonard helped turn him into the probable defensive rookie of the year so um, that's a name that sort of excites me but it's not an offensive name he's a defensive guy but that is a guy that has some Ohio ties he's from Toledo Ohio Um, he actually was on the Browns staff uh, in I believe in in 2009-2010 so he was here for a couple years so already has some ties to the Browns organization so that is a name. Also, their offensive coordinator, Nick Sirianni, is a name that has popped up who the Browns want to interview. 
He's obviously done, you know, Andrew Luck being healthy has been a huge part of why the Indianapolis Colts are taking on the Houston Texans this weekend in the wild card edition of the playoffs. But, you know, he's done wonders with Eric Ebron. Marlon Mack is a guy you didn't really know about until he sort of had a breakout season this year. So, you know, he's done a lot with a little. You know, T.Y. Hilton has been injured on and off all year, so not a ton of big names on that Colts offense, and Nick Sirianni has done a good job sort of ushering them into um, the new era of offensive football. So both coordinators from the Colts I think is smart, and I, I like seeing Dorsey talking to as many people as he can. Another name that's sort of been confirmed for them is the offensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings, Kevin Stefanski, who took over for John Filippo, who was you know, halfway through the season, a hot name for, for head coaching jobs, and he was fired by the Minnesota Vikings, and the Vikings have just had a disaster, a train wreck of a season, missing the playoffs, Kirk Cousins um, being super subpar for a guy making $84 million. Um, you know, their, John Filippo didn't run the ball, and Mike Zimmer wasn't about that, so he brought in Kevin Stefanski to run the ball a little more, but outside of one game when Stefanski sort of took over, the Vikings offense remained a disaster. They scored 10 points at home in a must-win against the Chicago Bears, who granted have a good defense, but, you know, just uh, not a great performance. So I, I'm not really sure how I feel about Kevin Stefanski and whether or not he would be any better than, than Freddie Kitchens, who uh, has an interview coming up. So, you know, who knows what's going on with that and whether Kevin Stefanski is a legitimate guy. But, I, you know, again, an offensive name, um, that John Dorsey is once again looking at. So we have him confirmed. We also have an interesting one is Dan Campbell, who previously was an interim head coach for the Miami Dolphins. Actually, you know, the year before they then went and hired Adam Gase. Uh, he is now with the New Orleans Saints as their tight ends coach slash assistant or associate head coach. One of those random, you know, uh, positions that doesn't really mean anything um, other than in, in the title itself. But obviously working under Sean Payton has some intrigue to it. Sean Payton is one of the best offensive minds in the game. Working with Drew Brees on the offensive side of the ball has some intrigue. So Dan Campbell is is getting some looks around the league. Um, he's going to interview with the Browns uh, on Friday. That's a report from ESPN this morning. He's also going to interview for the head coaching job with the Packers and Arizona Cardinals. So there's a lot of interest in Dan Campbell, um, and that is another name that uh, that John Dorsey is going after. So there, there's a really big net of, of, of guys that the Browns are looking at. I know Mike Munchak, who is the offensive coordinator, or excuse me, offensive line coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers, was another name that came up. Um, as somebody they want to interview. You know, it's interesting to me, too, Eric Bieniemy, who is sort of the assistant offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's been getting some some head coaching requests, but none have come from the Browns yet. Uh, I found that interesting. I thought that was going to be a guy that was on their list, but there's been no confirmed interview request sent out to him yet. Also interesting that the Browns requested Brian Flores, but not Josh McDaniels from the New England Patriots. So that name, who is always tied to the Browns because Josh McDaniels has a lot of Ohio ties, but it doesn't seem like the Browns uh, are going to interview him because I assume they just would have put out a request from both Brian Flores and Josh McDaniels, kill two birds with one stone. So that doesn't seem like it's happening. We also haven't heard about Dave Tobe, who is the special teams coach for the Kansas City Chiefs. There has not been an official interview request for him either. Now, this is all subject to change as well. There's still going to be names coming out that maybe we haven't heard of yet. And obviously a guy that I really, really, it was a pipe dream, admittedly. But I really would have loved to see Lincoln Riley in the NFL. He signed an extension with Oklahoma yesterday, so that will not be happening. So uh, all my hopes and dreams are dashed, and life will be terrible for the rest of my existence. And I accept that. Um, 
And then obviously Greg Williams uh, completed his interview with the team yesterday. I thought it was uh, kind of hysterical because the the Cleveland Browns official, uh, their Twitter account, you know, this is something that teams are starting to do. They're now confirming interviews with, uh, with candidates. And the Browns yesterday tweeted out, we've completed an interview with Greg Williams for our open head coaching position. That's all great. And maybe 10 minutes later, they then tweeted out a link to an article, and the headline of that article was Browns players confident they can play for any coach after they thrive following midseason changes. So thank you, Greg Williams. Thanks for your interview. Um, We'll see you later. That one's not happening. We're going to tweet out this article about how the players want to play. They can play for anybody because Greg's not happening. So I thought that was pretty hilarious. Um, And obviously all the reports have sort of pointed to Greg Williams is not uh, going to be the guy. Next season, I did last week's episode on why I think that is the correct choice and why I think the Browns can do better and find somebody better than Greg Williams to sort of lead this team into to their next steps in the playoffs and beyond. And um, so that interview has been completed. Yeah, Freddie Kitchens will be up next, and I'm still hopeful that Freddie Kitchens is going to get the job. I'm still very much on Team Freddie Kitchens, and I, I get into with Robert Mays a little bit of, of why that is. Um, I think, obviously, I've I've pointed to the merits of Freddie from his relationship with Baker to things he's done with the offense this season to really unleash this team as an, you know, moving forward as a, as a team that's going to have, it's going to be a serious problem offensively. It's going to score hopefully upwards of 25, 30 points a game. And I think Freddie Kitchens has a lot to do with that. And then it's just sort of looking at who is available, uh, available in this coaching search and what is anybody who's available in this search as good as what I think Freddie Kitchens is? And for right now, my answer is no. And obviously, John Dorsey is going to dig into that. And if he finds somebody he thinks is um, a better you know, candidate or offensive mind than Freddie Kitchens, then he will move in that direction. But when I look at the names that I just went over, I, I just don't see anybody that has the this, any more of a potential or is any more of an unknown than what Freddie, Kitch, uh, Freddie Kitchens is right now. So I think Freddie Kitchens will hopefully sort of still have an inside track on this head coaching job, and we will move forward and see what happens. But, you know, right now it is going to be time to bring in Robert Mays and break down some of these names that I just went over a little bit more in depth because Robert obviously has been covering the league at a national level for a long time. Um, And so we talk about all of it from Baker Mayfield's rookie season to some of the head coaching candidates to what he would do right now if he were John Dorsey and who he would scoop up. And if there's any names we're not talking about yet that he thinks should be on the Cleveland Browns radar. So without further ado, let's get into it with Robert Mays from the ringer. All right, I am thrilled to have Robert Mays, fellow Mizzou alum from the ringer, joining me on the show today. Robert, uh, I know you are in route to uh, get ready for some playoff football this wildcard weekend, so appreciate you hopping on with me today. That's my pleasure. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm actually on the road to O'Hare right now to fly to Houston and doing a little Houston Dallas double dip for Wild Card Weekend this week, which should be fun. So yeah, that's it's pretty. Good time. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it for sure. I think Andrew Luck to Sean Watson matchup is going to be a a blast. So I'm a little envious you're going to be there in person. But um, you know, there's so much going on. I feel like you know the Brown season ended obviously with their loss on Sunday to Baltimore, but it feels like the news and and the sort of intrigue is just getting started as they sort of begin their head coaching search. They've already been linked to a handful of candidates, and we will get there. But I know you named Baker Mayfield on an article that you wrote for The Ringer where you gave out some awards. I know you had him as your Offensive Rookie of the Year, and 
I guess my question for you is, I mean, it's pretty obvious the the type of season that he had and how um, how good he was. He obviously set the record for for rookie touchdown passes uh, in a season, and he only you know he missed the first two games and played maybe a half of that third game, but. Was there anything that stood out to you about him that, you know, when you looked at him in college or you watched him at Oklahoma, that you were just surprised translated so quickly to, to the NFL level? I liked how aggressive he is, kind of on tight window throws in the middle of his field, and how he's able to fit the ball into those tight window throws. Because I think maybe the biggest question coming out about him was, is he going to be able to translate to a game that's not quite as wide open? You know, they had so many just massive windows and so much separation with that offense at Oklahoma just because it's so well schemed and I think that was the question is he going to be able to kind of subsist in a world where it's not going to be that wide open there's not going to be that much space and he's going to have to fit the ball in a little bit and he was and his aggressiveness in those moments is incredible and then it's the stuff that translated that you expected to he's unbelievably accurate he made a throw against Baltimore on the run, on the move, I would say, down the right sideline that was just, it couldn't have been more perfect. I can't remember who was on the receiving end. I think it was Antonio Callaway. Yes, I know the and, exact throw you're talking about. And he just, there's so many of those that just kind of pop up from week to week. He's a remarkable talent. And I thought that he'd be special coming out. And even after the first preseason game, I was like, this guy's got something. And I mean, he was that boy this year. Um, you know, and it, it, it leads me to, you know, it is sort of remarkable how many, you know, one of the stats I love looking at on that next gen stats, and I, I, I tweet about it almost every week now, is just they have that improbable completion percentage. So every week they look at, you know, the lowest um, com- percent chance that certain passes had to be completed by quarterbacks every week. And Baker was on there almost every week within like the top five or top 10 and his ability to kind of put it in those small windows and make the throws, whether it's on the move or outside the pocket is, is pretty unbelievable. But, you know, it really felt like it sort of opened up when, when Freddie Kitchens kind of took reign uh, as the, as the offensive coordinator. And obviously the Browns are going to cast a pretty wide net um, in terms of who they're going to looking at as a coach. But I'm curious, Robert, from your perspective as a guy who's kind of seeing things at a national level and, and comparing Freddie Kitchens to some of the other offensive coordinators around the league, you know, how much of the Browns offense was just successful because maybe Freddie just unleashed Baker Mayfield a little bit more? And how much was it sort of his kind of scheming and things that he was doing that really kind of contributed to the Browns' offensive success as they sort of went down that second half of the season? I think, I think it's a little column A, a little column B. Uh, I feel like he did a very good job of playing to Baker's strengths, and I also think that it's all he's just a good offensive coordinator. I mean, there's a lot of schematic stuff they did in those final eight weeks or so that you're like, oh, I like that. That makes sense in terms of route distribution. They're trying to get guys open in the right way, and they're allowing their quarterback to be successful. And I, I'm curious to see what they do. Uh, I mean, if you look at the success they had over the final couple months here, it's hard to argue with not with bringing him back, with not bringing him back. Uh, I feel like that's a smart choice, but you also run the risk if a head coach comes in and wants his own guy, everything else, saddling a head coach with an offensive coordinator isn't always the right. I also think that we've seen a lot of instances recently of teams being successful when they hire their head coach as their play caller. Right. So I think there are a lot of routes that they could go, but I can understand why people in Cleveland want to keep him around. 
Yeah, you know, and I think the thing with Freddie, too, who I've become really, really high on, and I think that a large part of that, too, outside of his play calling, is, you know, some of the the look behind the scenes of the relationship we've gotten to see with him and Baker when the Browns have released sort of some of the, the mic'd up stuff with Baker. And you can see the sort of the rapport he has with Freddie Kitchens, which I think is incredibly important. And also, you know, and we'll kind of get to some of the other candidates here, but it feels like the pool of candidates for the Browns has sort of whittled down from what I thought it might be when, you know, they let go of, uh, of Hugh and Todd Haley. Obviously today, Lincoln Riley signed an extension with Oklahoma, and that, that was sort of felt like a pipe dream anyway, but that sort of put the kibosh on that. So sometimes I look at it, when, and if I'm comparing Freddie Kitchens and what he's done to the other names that are sort of available and feel as much as an unknown as Freddie Kitchens is, it's almost to me like that's why I see him as such a legitimate candidate because a lot of the guys they're looking at are just kind of first-time coordinators or guys who have really just kind of come into their own as coordinators as well. Yeah, I mean, we don't know these guys are good, are good until they get these jobs. I mean, no one knew who Sean McVay was this time two years ago. I mean, people knew his name, but he wasn't considered the guy. And I feel like teams have stumbled into these in recent years. And again, I think that there's a blueprint. And I think they're going out and hiring an offensive-minded guy from a good system empowering him and letting him kind of define your franchise is the right move at this point. And think about how many times in the last two years, three years, we've watched that succeed. Doug Peterson, Sean McVay, Matt Nagy, what's going on with Frank Reich in Indianapolis right now. I feel like that's the move here. And if you got want to like pick off a coach from one of those systems that you feel pretty good about and say, this is your team now, it allows you to have some stability and some structure that you can survive losing coordinators. And I just think that's really important. So I agree. I mean, I think it's going to probably be someone who we don't necessarily know a ton about right now, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, there are a couple names, obviously, that the Browns have been linked to that are um, – more a bit more established and and I want to kind of start with a couple of those with you first and maybe the most polarizing one on this list and somebody that you've written about um and written about really well in the past is is Mike McCarthy and there was a there was a tweet a little while ago from from ESPN that he has confirmed that he's going to meet with the Browns on Thursday um obviously John Dorsey has ties to Green Bay and ties to Mike McCarthy so this felt inevitable but um I would just love to hear from you Robert as a guy that's sort of watched, you know, you being a Bears fan and obviously having Green Bay in that division for so long and seeing what's sort of happened to that offense over the past few years. And a lot, the word we hear a lot is stale. And, and we hear that, you know, he just hasn't really, McCarthy at least, didn't really evolve as offenses sort of move forward. Where Where are you in terms of, when you look at McCarthy, not only for the Browns, but for whatever job that he might take, he's been connected to the Jets as well, and they have Sam Darnold and that offense moving forward. Like, where, what would you say about Mike McCarthy, and is he somebody that you would hire to sort of guide a young quarterback into the next five, kind of ten years of his career? No. And I say that not because I think Mike McCarthy is a bad head coach. I think he's fine. But I feel like if you have Baker Mayfield, you should really be looking for more than fine. You know, we've, liked, we've watched Mike McCarthy over the past two or three seasons stagnate with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. That's hard to do. <laughs> and I just feel like the success we've seen from so many guys getting their first opportunity and the success we've seen from those guys early, we so, why is the NFL as a whole so intent on running these guys back over and over again after we've already seen what they can do? And in McCarthy's situation, seeing what they can do in excellent circumstances – so while I think Mike McCarthy would do a fine job wherever he goes, I just think that there are more interesting places to look. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I tend to agree with you there, and it'll be interesting to see what happens um, after that meeting and whether, you know, Dorsey is doing more of a courtesy or if he's actually really interested. So I'm, I'm pretty fascinated to see what happens there. The, the other name I wanted to touch on real quick is um, has become somewhat polarizing in the past couple of days is Adam, is Adam Gase, who was fired by the Miami Dolphins, and there's you know, a lot of noise coming out of there from a handful of their players. Obviously, Jarvis Landry, who was traded to the Browns, um, you know, had some not super kind things to say about Adam Gase uh, when he, right after he was traded. Then it sounds like some of the players there were, were just done with Adam Gase in general. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of people that think he's a pretty great offensive mind and maybe a change of scenery and um, his second head coaching job would help him out. Um, where are you sort of with Adam Gase as a, as a head coaching candidate um, for the Cleveland Browns and for, for whatever team he I ends up with? I think he's a much different case than McCarthy. Okay. Because, again, his circumstances weren't McCarthy's. He didn't have Aaron Rodgers for a decade, and he wasn't a coach for a decade. He was only a coach for a few seasons. He had quarterback issues just based on injury, you know, whatever you think of Ryan Tannehill overall. I think that that's the type of guy where I'd be more intrigued and more inclined to give him a second chance just because I think if you pair him with Baker Mayfield and a roster overall that I think is pretty darn talented, I think that your results might be a little bit different the second time around. Yeah. Do you... What do you make of, of some of the noise from his former players where they seem like not only did they kind of not like him or not agree with him, but they sort they really seem like they had sort of a disdain for him? That's a problem. I mean, I think that's the issue is when you know, we try to just do this X's and O's and lines on paper thing with offensive coaches where it's like, well, can he scheme up a team? If the answer to that is yes, it's fine. But if his personality rubs guys the wrong way and people don't want to play for him, that's what being a head coach is. That's why being a head coach and offensive coordinator are two different things. So if that's the case and you have guys in the Cleveland building that wouldn't want him and have been vocal about that, then I would pay heed to that, honestly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, um, you know, Jarvis, it, it would obviously be an awkward reunion with Jarvis, who has been very vocal about um, his feelings for, for Adam Gase, but uh, it does sound like they're going to look at him. And then, you know, Robert Wakana just sort of finish up with this because there's a handful of other guys, some names that have been connected to the Browns and who they're going to interview. And I'll go over a couple of them right now, and I'd just be curious, out of any of these names, if there's anybody that really intrigues you or gets you excited for, for someone um, coming to the Cleveland Browns. There's obviously Kevin Stefanski, the offensive coordinator for the Vikings, who stepped in when John Filippo got fired. There's Matt Eberflus, who's done a phenomenal job with that, that Colts defense that you will see on display um, on Saturday. You know, Brian Flores, the defensive coordinator for the Patriots, I honestly I do not know a ton about. He's probably the name I know the least about out of all these guys. Um, and then, you know, Dan Campbell, the t- tight ends coach in uh, in New Orleans, who was an interim coach in Miami. Um, and also, I, I think they've also looked at Nick Sirianni, who's actually the Colts' offensive coordinator. Out of out of any of those names, is, do any of those guys stand out to you as somebody who you would, you would take a hard look at and who Browns fans might want to get excited about knowing that they are going to interview with the team? No. <laughs> okay, great. I, I think Matt Eberflus is a fantastic coach. But again, if I have Baker Mayfield, I really want an offensive-minded head coach to come over and take this team. Sure. Uh, that, I mean, I think that is the blueprint. I think that is the formula right now. So out of those guys, I think that Eberflus is the guy that excites me the most just as a coaching candidate, but not as the head coach of the Browns. Yeah, I, I, I'm sort of with you there in terms of just names that, yeah, move the needle a little bit for me. I, obviously, Iberflus has done phenomenal things with that defense, and um, but I, I think you're right. I mean, I think especially for the Browns, and I think John Dorsey has sort of made it known, 
you know, that, that an offensive-minded younger guy sort of seems the pa- to be the pattern of, obviously, what you mentioned, you know, successful head coaching hires over the past couple of years and, and something that he is, is obviously going to look at. So, so, Robert, out of all of the candidates that we've sort of gone over, if you right now had to pick somebody, is, are you just sticking with Freddie Kitchens? Is there another name that you're looking at? Like, where, if you had to pick somebody today, if you were John Dorsey, where would you be going with this? I honestly don't know the answer to that. I think the Kitchens is a risk. Yeah. I mean, just again, because we haven't seen him very long. We've seen what interim coaches that get full-time jobs end up doing. It's The track record is not very good. So I would just cast the net wider than they already have. I would talk to as many people as possible. I'd get as many offensive assistants from solid teams as you possibly could in that building to pick their brain and see where it goes. Are That's there, where I'm at right now. For sure. Are there any names that you haven't heard linked to the Browns that, that, that kind of jump out in your mind as someone you hope they, they go out and interview? Not really. I mean, I think Zach Taylor is a name that people keep throwing out there. Eric Bieniemy is going to be a guy. The Chiefs office coordinator is going to be somebody that you know teams continue to look at. I, I think those are the types of coaches and that those are the types of kind of resumes that I would be looking at the most. And whether you like those guys or whether they end up being impressive candidates is an entirely different story. For sure. All right. Well, Robert, we will get you out on this. Uh, whoever the coach ends up being for the Browns, and obviously that it, it will play a role, but I think offensively with Baker at the helm and if they're, they're adding a wide receiver in the draft to sort of free up Jarvis to go back to that sort of secondary role that he's, I think, better suited for and, you know, continued growth of Richard Higgins and, and some other guys and Nick Chubb. I mean, what do you see the potential of this Browns team in 2019, sort of just regardless of, of who they end up hiring as the head coach? I mean, I absolutely think they can be in the mix to win the division. I mean, they almost made the playoffs this year after punting the first half of the season with Hugh Jackson. <laughs> this is true. Uh, I mean, it's maybe not the first half, but I mean, when, which week did he get fired? Six? I think it was. I Four? think it wasn't until week eight. I mean, I honestly think it was half the season. Yeah, so I mean, I think that when you consider that and the fact that they still almost made it, it's hard not to get excited about this team moving forward. Yeah, um, it, it certainly is. And uh, Robert, again, man, appreciate you kind of hopping on, going over this stuff with me. Enjoy your weekend of wildcard football, and uh, hopefully we will talk again uh, as we move down the road with whoever the Browns move forward with as their head coach. But appreciate it, man. Sounds good, man. My pleasure. All right. Thanks so much. All right. I'll see you. All right, that is it for this week's episode of The Rebuild. Again, thank you to Robert Mays from The Ringer for joining me. And uh, again, subscribe, rate five stars, give me a digital high five. Uh, tweet me again at Cleve Zerm. I will be back next week as I think this is going to be a really, really fun period to do a weekly podcast because of the updates in the Browns coaching search and everything that's going to go on. And when they do hire a head coach, it's going to be really fun to sort of go back and figure out you know, what type of offense he's going to run, his overall philosophy, stuff he's done in the past, whatever it may be. It's going to be really, really fun to break down and then see how that can translate to the Cleveland Browns in 2019 and where it is going to take them. So as always, thank you again for listening, and I will talk to you guys next week.